All right, coaches, welcome back. We've been off for a handful of weeks. I kind of was going to just wait till Christmas or winter break to get another episode in, but obviously with the MSHSL pause, uh, I figured it'd be a good time to, you know, get three, four episodes here before uh, the season starts. We are lucky to have Mankato East head coach Joe Madsen with us today. Coach, thanks for joining. Thank you, Brett. It's nice to be here. First thing we always start with is coaching Wikipedia page. So tell us where you're from, where you played, and what led you to Mankato East. Uh, well, actually, I'm from Mankato. I'm, I am the welcome back Cotter, I guess, uh, for those of you who are old enough to appreciate some of that. Or, uh, I, I went to Mankato East, graduated in 84, um, a long time ago. And then I actually played, uh, played and went to school and played basketball at Bethany Junior College at the time um, for two years. And then played at Mankato State which is now Minnesota State, uh, for Dan McCarroll for a year after that. Uh, so that, you know, I've had, uh, I've had some, you know, Art Westfall is, is a background, uh, just an awfully knowledgeable uh, basketball coach. Dan McCarroll, who I still argue uh, might be the most knowledgeable basketball guy I've ever been around. Uh, he's forgotten more, as the saying goes, than, uh, than, than most people have ever even uh, attempt to know. So awfully good people. Ron Young, another guy that um, and played for Bob Gorder back in the day, coached under Dave Johnson, and uh, who, who I owe a lot to as far as uh, understanding how to run high school programs. So been around a lot of good coaches, um, and, and um, you know, it, it just ha- had a good experience. Love, love basketball, obviously, you know, still, <laughs> still do it. It's something, it's a, it's a passion of mine, obviously. And then, um, you know, I've been, I've been doing it for a lot of years. Was at Wadena Deer Creek, uh, coach actually with some uh, assistant girls up there my first four years of teaching. And then I've also been the, um, I'm coming back. It was Dave Johnson's assistant for seven years and I've been the uh, head coach for 20 years, my 20th year now at Mankato East. And I've been, took one year off when I, my oldest son played, he was uh, over in St. James and I, so I had him watching him play his whole uh, junior year actually. And then um, I also been the head softball coach for what, 28 years at Mankato East as well. So <clears throat> I, um, it keeps me busy. You mentioned from your college days into your days as an assistant, some of the experiences and the coaches you've been, been able to work with. What are some of the big takeaways that you learned from your you know, time playing in college and also as an assistant coach? Yeah, you know, from when I played, it was I, – I, I'm trying to think of this, Brad, but I don't think anybody, even in my era, ran ball screen. You know, it was, it was pass screen away motion – um, you know, some flex stuff toward the end of my college years. We ran that at, at, at uh, Mankato State or Minnesota State Mankato. <clears throat> but it was just, you know, it, some, some good stuff. I mean, some great ball movement, some things that uh, as much as we run ball screen, and I'm <clears throat> convinced that's, um, you know, we run a ton of it. Everybody runs it. It's so hard to defend. Uh, it probably isn't as pretty basketball as it used to be when you'd kind of get some, a lot of the passing moving. Uh, certainly the game is much more physical. They're just better athletes than, uh, than when I played. We just didn't, didn't have the athletes that you have now. Kids are getting better so much quicker uh, than they did back in that time. And a lot of that's just playing so much. You know, by the time these kids are in ninth grade, they've already played on how many AU teams. They've played how many different um, <clears throat> games. I mean, just loads of them compared to kids that were in ninth grade, you know, back when I was playing. So uh, I, I think that's to me one of the biggest things is, and it's a downfall in some extent too. Brett, is that these kids, you know, you, you try to get them jacked up. You're playing 26 games, and, and some of these kids who are seniors have played. You think you want to count the number of games they've played, including AU, including your high school team playing in the summer fall leagues. Um, they almost could yawn a little bit when they're, because they've played so many games. It just doesn't have that 
you know, the old days when you played 20 games and you weren't playing in the off season is, you know, it was, it was almost like football where you could gear up for that one game and it was a, a bigger deal. So that's, that's one thing that's been tougher, but the kids, you know, respond. They, they love to play obviously and it really helps. We talked with John Oxen from Lake North a while back and he did the same thing. He took some time off to watch his daughter finish up her high school career. Uh, did you plan on getting back into it when you took that year off or did the opportunity just arise and you jump back at it? No, you know, it was, it was one of those deals where, um, you know, he, he'd lived with his mom over in St. James and I, you know, would follow, do as much as I could. It was just tough. I know when he was a sophomore and played a little bit of varsity over there, I, I just couldn't get to a lot of games with our own games and scouting. And so I just told our AD, I said, Hey, uh, I really want to go watch him play. Um, and and I, I said, so I, I'd like to take a year. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe it's two. What do you think of that? And he, he was very positive, but I said, I do want to get back. <clears throat> I knew I had two other boys coming through the, the program eventually here and, and wanted to, to be a part of that because that's a, that's a big deal. I hadn't had a chance to coach um, at Sunday. I didn't have a chance to coach Jordan, uh, who was my oldest boy. And I said, I definitely want to do that. And I, I guess I told him at that time, I don't know how many years I was the head coach at that point. Maybe it was 13, 14, somewhere in that ballpark uh, when I was telling that. Plus, I'd been the head softball coach. Right? Maybe it was even 15 years at that point. I think it was. And I said, you know, if somebody else wants to do this or you're afraid that this is going to open up a, uh, a can of worms that you don't want to uh, say, so just tell, tell the person they have to be the head coach in two different sports for 15 years before they can ask for a sabbatical. And he laughed and said, well, I think that might, that might be pretty good. I could use it. And he, he says, no, you're, he was all for it. Um, I took one year and I missed it so much. And I realized that, um, you know, as tough as it was, I kind of just got away. I think I saw our team play twice that year <clears throat> and it was too hard to watch you know and so uh again I saw I think all but one of my son's games they, one game I couldn't get to but uh the other other than that it, it was a it was a I'm glad I did it was a good experience but I knew I was coming back I knew it was not going to be something that was a um you know a permanent thing getting away I hadn't you know if I didn't have boys coming and maybe who, who knows a little bit there but I just I still felt the, the burn and I, I think that's something that um you know, we'll see what happens there. I have my youngest son's an eighth grader right now. And um, you know, again, just with my, with Jax, my middle son, who just graduated last year, coached those, their AAU team, not their AAU, I'm sorry, but their um, travel team basketball, you know, throughout. And that's something that you just, you really get a good bond with those kids and it's awfully fun. Talk about more coaching your kid at the high school level. I know we ran into each other at breakdown last, uh, we've been now two summers ago going into the 1920 season. Uh, mm -hmm. And your, your kid was a heck of a player. Uh, obviously had a really good career for you. What was it like coaching him and then having that father son balance? You know, he, he, um, Jax is, I mean, he's just a great kid. Obviously I, he's my son. I'll say that, but he, he's a, he's a pretty mature kid, very quiet. Not the, uh, the one thing I always wanted to be is more of a vocal leader and, and be that guy. That just wasn't something that was in his DNA much. He, he led by example. Um, you know, he, he's a, he was a very smart, heady player. He just understood the right passes to make uh he he you know as much as i and he, we watch a lot of basketball obviously he grew up you know with me coaching around him and so i mean but at the same time i think he just he really gets it he's one of those guys that can watch things that he can dissect pretty well he, he could be a good coach i don't know if i'll lead him and saying you want to do that someday but uh he, he just does he gets the game that way he can see things happening and uh as much as he's kind of that laid back even keel you know he could go he could miss six shots in a row or make six shots in a row, and you couldn't tell in his face what he's done. He could make a game winner, and the other guys have to go over and, you know, push him around the floor, and he'll maybe get a little smirk on his face, and that's about it. Uh, but he's very competitive. You know, that would 
turn up during some games where he eventually would kind of speak up and all the guys would kind of look at him like, wow, Jax is saying something that, and it was kind of fun to see that because I knew he had that, you know, he has burn in him. He's got that competitive uh, competitiveness to him, but it's not something that just oozes out of him. My, my younger eighth grade son has more of that, that it oozes out of him. You can see it uh, a lot different. So it will be kind of interesting in coaching both those kids. They, they're very different that way. Um, but no, it, it, you know, it, it was funny when he was a ninth grader and we had him up on our JV bars and he was playing JV to start the year. And, uh, my assistant, uh, Tony Ball was a, a really good friend of mine, obviously. And, and he, you know, he was just kind of kept pulling out my shirt sleeve saying, we got to, you know, throw Jacks out there. We got to get him out there. We're not, you know, we're not shooting the ball. Well, we, I know he can do some stuff. And I think it was down in Austin and he came in, you know, a packed place. They had a very good team. And, and I think he, he went for basically, I think it was 13 points in the second half down in Austin, you know, in the varsity game. And I think the rest of the guys, you know, kind of looked around going, I think the stage isn't too big for him. He's ready to go. And, and then we went up to Northfield um, a couple weeks later. And um, again, he came off the bench and, and he ended up, I think he was 20, he had 23 points, 18 in the second half. And, um, you know, one of those deals where it was, it was just a, at that point we said, well, we got to just keep playing him. I mean, if he can do that already in a, in, there wasn't any, any question of, you know, is he getting a little favoritism as a, as the coach's kid? And I, I don't ever want that to be the case. And I want the guys, uh, my son and kids and that they have to earn it. And um, I think he probably did even in the Austin game. We still didn't really uh, get him in probably enough. And I think my assistant, Tony, finally just said, okay, I'm going to take over and run this if you don't, you know, get him out there. Cause it's, it's pretty <laughs> obvious what he can do. And I said, no, I, I get it. And so it's good to have that. I mean, he, it, it, you know, he, I'd get on him, not, I'd get on him at home probably a little more than I even did at, you know, I tried to, I learned this from a couple of coaches. I'd actually talked to uh, a number of different guys, uh, Tom Critchley Jr., one of them, uh, Barry Wohler being another one as well, just saying, what did, you know, how did you handle your kids? I, I did actually call and talk to those guys and I know both of them pretty well. And I, I know one thing that um, Tom Jr. said was he regrets that he was as hard as he was on his kid when he was younger. He said, you can gradually get that way. But he said, I was too tough on him when he was in eighth and ninth grade because I just didn't want that to appear that it was favoritism. But he said, at the same time, I wouldn't have treated other eighth and ninth graders that same way. And so I did, you know, swallow that a little bit and realize that's probably, and I think I tried to get on him a little more as he got older and, and certainly would not, you know, I think I treated him about as much as I did the other kids. I didn't try to treat him a whole lot differently that way. Um, but yeah, it, it's a different dynamic. It is, you know, we've had a lot of really good teams and a lot of really good kids. I mean, just great kids. Um, and I have enjoyed every year, but there's, there's no doubt. It's a little, little different when you're, when you're coaching your kid and just some of the kind of wins you get through that you get to experience that as a, as a family. And that's pretty fun. We talked quite a bit about your background here and coaching your son and uh, that sort of stuff. I do want to get into now uh, with your, with your program and you mentioned some team building related stuff that you do. So, um, you know, with the, with the year that we have where we're looking at a shortened season that got a little shorter last week here, uh, hopefully, you know, we add some weeks on the back end, but you know, there's no guarantee that we'll get those four weeks back. Um, if it's only four weeks. And so I think something that coaches could potentially, you know, push to the side is some of that team building and relationship stuff with, you know, a condensed season and that pressure feeling like we got to get ready to go. We haven't had fall league or open gyms or that sort of thing. So what are some team building activities that you guys have in your program? You know, and it's something I'd like to even do more of some things we've done and we've done things over the years, whether it's, um, 
you know, we've gone bowling as a team. We've gone played laser tag as, as a, as a group. Um, we, we've played uh, wiffle ball and had teams picked and do some things like that instead of having practice and things once in a while. I think every, I think every coach does things like that when they can tell it's been kind of a drag and what's going through. Uh, we, we've been doing team meals and a lot of people do team meals, football, especially they, they do it because they can do it once a week. It's a lot tougher with basketball when you're playing um, twice a week quite often. And, uh, but we did get a gentleman in, a, in our community who stepped up and, and was able to help uh, Pay, pay for a high V to bring meals in for us for uh, a number of dates. And, um, you know, we would take their cell phones away from them during the meals, um, have them you know, just engage. Um, and, and I think those were, that's a really good thing. Um, and I, we've been doing that now the last, I think it's been about five years. And, and the guys, as you could tell, just look forward to it. We've had some kids too, who probably aren't getting great meals at home all the time. And so I was, you know, not that you can guarantee 10, 12 meals is going to change a deal, but it's, it's nice. Give them leftovers, take that kind of thing with it is nice to do for them. Um, so I really enjoyed that. That's something I want to continue to do uh, even in this shorter year. Uh, something that, that I know um, the kids look forward to. Another thing that we've been very fortunate to have in our community is um, we, we've done uh, some mental training. Uh, Cinder Kampoff runs a mental training program that she started at Mankato State or Minnesota State Mankato. I keep saying Mankato State, so I don't know why, but Minnesota State Mankato. And, um, she, you know, she's obviously uh, kind of blown up. She's worked with the Vikings, uh, a lot of college programs. Uh, I know Adam Thielen's even made reference to her as far as somebody who really helped uh, him, him and his progress while he was at uh, Minnesota State Mankato and has given her some, some even national attention that way. And uh, I ha I know Cinder pretty well. She's an old neighbor of mine. She moved uh, further away now. But um, so we, we've had, you know, not always her. It's usually some of her younger um, staff that she'll have that have come. And they, uh, they get to know our guys. Um, we'll probably, matter of fact, our first, we meet, our first meeting will be this next Thursday now. Uh, the first time meeting. I'm not even sure who the team of people will be. But we've had, they'll usually be three or four uh, of the mental trainers that will meet um, with our guys It'd be a little different. Our softball team did it last spring too, virtually like this. So that's what they're going to have to do is meet virtually. It'll be a little, little different. It's not as easy, uh, but they just work on a number of things with them. And I, you know, I think, I don't know if I was ever skeptical of the mental training, um, but you know, as, as an old school guy, you're kind of thinking, Hey, you know, you got, you know, these things, but it is amazing. Uh, I think to me, uh, some of the things they hit up that you as a coach, we might think is kind of obvious and something that, well, don't, don't all kids have that? They, they don't, and they need to hear it. Um, I, I've become a firm believer that mental training is, is about as important as a, of a facet of the game as you can get. You have to have mentally tough kids, and, and you sort of assume that all of them are mentally tough, and quite a few of them probably aren't. <laughs> that's the thing that you, you start to learn, Brett. And uh, I, I think that's, that's been a good thing for our guys. Um, you know, and so it's something that uh, our district has kind of bought into, and so your team, our teams are given an allotted number of times that we can do it. And um, I know a lot of coaches in our district are, are taking advantage of it. And I think it's a it's a great opportunity for our guys. How have you seen um, the mental training, like you mentioned? How have you seen that impact performance um, in your players, if it's maybe in preparation or on the court or in practice? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you can pinpoint exact things. Uh, I, I think you see um, a couple things. They talk about, you know, I, I know a topic they hit up on a lot. Now I've stayed for some of the meetings. Sometimes I just let the, 
you know, there's some younger coaches or younger uh, trainers that come in. I let them just go and I kind of get myself out of it because I know they might answer differently or be a little different when, when uh, uh, the big whistles in the room. So I, I basically, I get out of there once in a while and quite a bit actually just to kind of let them uh, have at it. But I know they, they talk a lot about being good teammates and how you can do that. And, and I think that has, you can just sort of see that. I mean, guys, you know, you want the competitiveness. You want guys to get a little, a little ornery and angry at each other once in a while. And, and, and to be, you know, you've got, as a basketball player, you can't be selfish unless it comes to like uh, offensive rebounding or defensive rebound. You want selfish kids when it comes to that. That's something that that's huge. Uh, and, and you want the kids to compete, but not to the point where they're, you know, looking at as this guy's my enemy because I'm trying to get playing time from him or I want more shots compared to him. And, and I think just the way that that approach has, Again, knock on wood that we'll continue this, but I just think our guys have really bought into their roles on the team and, and also that they don't really care about statistics. They don't care about the individual uh, accolades. They, they want to win. And, and we've had a number of guys in our program who, um, you know, have been willing to probably not take some of the shots or even worry about some of that because they, they realize they've got some good teammates around them that, that if I, you know, move the ball a little more, with a, with a better opportunity, um, you know, we're, we're going to be better as a team. I maybe won't have the, the stats, but we'll be a lot better as a team. And uh, a kid that comes to mind for me is Damani Hayes, who's now playing actually at USD. He'd been out at um, South Dakota School of Mines, but he averaged, I don't know, 18, 19 as a junior. He dropped down about 14, 15 as a senior. Um, we, we were really good around him too. And he knew that he didn't have to take that scoring load. And he was, um, you know, his assists went up. Our win totals went way up when he was a senior, um, and he just knew that. I think even a little bit, my son, his scoring went down from his senior year because he knew, hey, we had a couple other good younger kids coming in our program along with some other really good seniors who had developed, and he realized I don't have to probably take the shots I did as a junior, and, and we're going to be better as a team. And, and those are the kind of things you want your guys to buy into. And I think some of that mental training, you know, that they, they talk a lot about that, uh, getting rid of bad performances uh, you know, it's a big thing that they do and how you get that out of your head. And, um, you know, I think our, our early loss to De La Salle last year when I, you know, we kind of, to me, we kind of crumbled in the second half. We got away from that sharing the basketball, got away from some of the things that I think we were really good at throughout the whole year. And uh, that was probably a great learning experience. Our guys didn't panic. And then we went on to win, what, 25 straight after that until until the, the last game. But, um, no, it, it I, you don't always know if you can pinpoint exact things, but certainly – uh, I just think the way they, um, you know, approach that is, is really being good teammates, um, uh, not letting bad performances affect your next practice, even for that matter. Uh, those are things that are tough for some kids. And, um, and I think this really helps. Offensive philosophy. Uh, you mentioned how when you were playing, it was more pass and screen away and some flex stuff. And now how it's pretty much everyone is running some sort of ball screen action maybe it's not a continuity but maybe in sets or in something you're seeing ball screens pretty much across the board um some teams more than others so talk about your guys's offense philosophy within your ball screen offense and some of the main um are you looking more high pick and roll wing pick and roll where some where where where, where are your main actions and what is your philosophy in your guys's ball screen offense yeah you know we, we run uh, the side ball screen at least we have in years past probably the most but we also run the you know just the high the high ball screen two action. Uh, we've done both. We, we, we've done a lot in the past of that, of just that weak side ball screen action that uh, the continuity one that, you know, a number of teams, I, I think uh, Dave Cressup is the guy I first saw do it. 
up at Purim, and this would have been, I don't know how many years ago, and um, I just loved the action. I actually sat down after, it was, a, it was a, uh, I think we were together at the Sweet 16, it was up in St. Cloud when, when we had played. He said we were about the only team that ever beat him when, when they were doing this, and I said, it was hard because you guys were really good at this, and I, so I picked his brain a little bit, and then I started seeing a lot of other people running it. It became a big deal, um, and then we dabbled in it a little early, got into it quite a bit for a number of years, uh, and still use that action. And a lot, I mean, so many people run it. It's uh, you, you see it collegiately. I know Gonzaga had run forms of it a, a ton, and um, so you, you see a lot of colleges that run it, professional teams even that do. And I don't know what the name is for it. We, we give different names to it as we come in, but it's. It, it's very popular. Uh, it still is. We've run that. And, just some, and then some high ball screen stuff that, um, you know, again, a lot of teams run. Just, you know, it's, it's just kind of the dependence of maybe a, a single guard or, or two guard kind of offense and how you want to run that. Um, we, we just like to exploit some mismatches in it if we can. Um, you know, we get our, depending on if they're going to be playing it by going underneath the ball screen, are they going to go over the top and hedge it hard? That might dictate a little bit of what we want to do, but we want to get the ball reversed I think it's tough, you know, the, the early, the first ball screen, oftentimes teams are ready for that. You know, they can defend that pretty well. Uh, but if you get the ball reversed and get side to side with multiple ball screens, it, it, it catches up. You, know, you get guys lost. They, they're trailing their, their guy so much more. Uh, they can't uh, get up and hedge it or blitz it or whatever action they want to do to try to stop it. It's a lot harder to do when you've gone through it a couple times. Um, and, and then I think you can, you can get good shots. I mean, obviously – um, we, we've put up points. I don't think we've had to worry about being a shot clock, but I just try to remind our kids it isn't, we're not playing with a seven second shot clock either when you're in the half court. We want to get out and run. I think you know, most coaches are that way. We really want to get out and go offensively. We've had the athletes to do it over the last few years. Um, but at the same time, when you're in the half and defense is set on a dead ball, I mean, we want to get the ball reversed. We, we run probably, you know, and, and my, uh, my assistant will say too many at times and, but we run too, probably too many sets, but we probably have about, I'd say six to seven that we'll kind of settle in on in a year. We probably have about 15 to 20 that we've run over the last, oh, I'm guessing five, six years. And um, we'll just see which ones we think with this group might work the best. Um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's action for shooters, but there's also some secondary things off of it. And and so we'll use that a lot on a dead ball, a lot of timeouts, um, just a number of things that we can do that we can run it. Um, and, and so we'll run, you know, a fair number of, of just what I call just set plays, you know, that don't have that continuity with it. And, um, you know, that, that those are more quick hit stuff. Things don't go, then we can get back into some of that continuity. Uh, we'll, we'll even sprinkle in, though, just some, you know, some five out or four out where I don't think the ball's getting reversed. And I think that just forces you to have to reverse the basketball because as any coach will tell you, um, it, if you get it reversed, good things will happen. I mean, it's just incredible how um, we, we do a lot of stat stuff and I probably should do more of the, um, what, what's our offensive efficiency once it's been reversed three times? And I'll bet it's off the charts, you know, and it's just, you, you gotta tell the kids. And when we watch film, the other, that's one thing that I love when we have a possession like that in the half court, um, where you, where you say, Hey, you know, th this is, look at the shot we got here. Look at, even if it didn't go in, look at the shot we got here because it was reversed three times. The defense just isn't going to be as tough. Um, I, I think you can run with athletes, you know, and that's, you know, you, somebody, well, that's coaching. I said, no, no, that's just called, we got a bunch of guys that can get out and play and, and go. 
I think we're more of the coaching obviously happens is when you're in that half court set, because those are, those are things that, uh, the, the kids have to understand and, and, and know the timing of and be good at. This is more of a professional development question for me, since we're a team that, uh, we're, we switch everything. We switch one through five. We'll mix in. If we have a more traditional big, we'll switch one through four and have the five, um, play, play, play his guy. But, how do you, so this is more for, you know, trying to see what other teams do. Yeah. So what do you guys do against switch? Uh, I can see a team that's switching in your, in your, off, in your ball screen offense. You know, what, what we'll do, if we like the switch action, uh, how it uh, comes to us, when we get that switch, we'll go one, four low a lot. We'll go right to it. If we think the switch is something that we can exploit, uh, we'll go right to that. Uh, we'll also then, if we get some switch action, we'll, we can then we'll just dribble the, the, the guy into the post. If we think that, that our mismatch is better off being in the post, uh, we'll then dribble right to that. Those are things that you know, when we know teams are switching, we'll say, hey, these are the two things that we're going to do a bunch of. And it might be that so-and-so and so-and-so on our team, if you get these two kids switched to you, we're, we're going to go right to one four low. And we're just going to attack it, try to draw fouls, try to get to the rim, try to get a lot of help. We can penetrate and kick. Uh, or if we think the, the action is that, you know, we'll just, we'll back it out. We get the switch we want. We'll send that kid right into the post. We'll go four out, one in with that guy in the post. Those, those are the two things that we will do the most of once we realize, um, you know, Dan McCarroll was the first to really, you know, he, again, I just a legendary guy as far as when it comes to knowing the game. And I remember I, I haven't nearly as much, but I used to prick, pick his brain a little bit when I was younger coacher and say, coaching and said, Hey, what, what would you do here? And he says, don't ball screen. You know and Again, I knew he'd say that because <laughs> he says, all you gotta do is bring another defender. And I could think of a game where we knew a team was going to switch and we went to that one, four low, got the matchup. We wanted to actually hit the game winner um, uh, with about three seconds to go because we just went ISO at the top and we didn't bring the ball screen up to clog it up, so to speak, or to give them a chance to help. And, um, and we wanted this guy taking a shot. That's the other thing, you know, then, you know, uh, and, and he's right about that. You, if you got that matchup where you know the guy with the ball is going to get a good look for you, you do that. And um, so it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it, when they do switch, we we think. I, I think sometimes one of the tougher things you really got to you can get good at it, but you got to really prep for it. Is when teams uh, will will all out blitz it. They just basically come and they want to get the ball out of your hands and. You know, as far as sometimes splitting that is, is tough to do. The reverse dribble, if they're if they're taking that turn down away, uh, real strong, that's hard. You gotta. We, we really like to get our kids to attack that that big and just try turn the corner hard on them and either draw a foul or get around where you then kind of have a, a brief, at least potentially, you know, four on three kind of opportunity. So, um, but but yeah, there's you know, when you scout and you try to figure out whether the teams are going to do. Uh, you, you try to come up with some different things that you think should help in that situation. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes they don't. <laughs> I think the conventional wisdom that you bring up with not bringing a second defender um, to the ball does make sense in the sense, like you mentioned, when the team is blitzing. I mean, we're a ball screen heavy team and we've been running ball screen. You know, we've had some good teams won our section the last couple of years, but when we weren't as good a couple of years, a year or two before that. And so uh, we've still been a ball screen team, even when we weren't as good, but sometimes we were like, we just can't, like you mentioned, I will turn it over. If we, if we yeah. do ball screen against this team, that's where, like you said, you got to go to some more of that, you know, pass and cut, pass and screen away type motion action, just because you're just asking to turn the ball over. If you're bringing, you know, if they have a, a six, six big, who's athletic, who can hard hedge and recover. I know in our section, Chisago lakes uh, with coach Gargaro, who is a, a good coach who was there for a long time. 
uh, we just couldn't, their bigs were too athletic when they hard hedged and were too long and we just couldn't do it. So there is some accuracy, I think in conventional wisdom, but I do think if you got the guard and you can get a, get a big away from the hoop that opens so many more, the opportunity cost is definitely worth it. Cause I think if you can get that rim protector away from the hoop, um, that opens up so much more uh, in your offense. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you talk about wanting to run, uh, you know, everyone, you know, we hear running and that's everyone wants to play fast and we don't have a shot clock and, and all that. But, um, it's obviously, you know, Jack is going to roll the ball out and say, Hey, go up at the court as fast as you can. So talk about what some of your guys' roles are in transition. Do you have a numbered break? Do you just kind of have guys react and fill spots? What is your guys' uh, roles and your philosophy in transition? Well, you know, a couple things last year we had, you know, the last two years, three years, really, we've had to me kind of two point guards. Uh, my son and Joyce Gong were kids that could both play the point, play the two. Uh, so we, we, we really look to get to one of those two and even, you know, BJ Omad, who will be a junior for us this year, he could, he could do it at times last year as a sophomore. So we could, we could kind of run with a three, almost three point guard. So we were pretty blessed in the sense of let's just, if one of those three got a rebound, they went out, they were out, we were out of the races and we were just filling lanes. We weren't worried about numbered. Let's try find a one, the, the one guy to get it to um, because all three of those guys could start our transition so well. And then we could just, you know, it was jailbreak spacing. And we just talked a ton about spacing. We had the one big uh, who we had run to the block. If he was early, if he was a rebounder, he'd just run to that trail off the, you know, kind of read the guard. If he went right or left, we'd just go to that trail, traditional trail spot with him and then eventually get to the rim. So we, that, that's kind of how we did it. Now it'll be a little different this year. Um, you know, obviously we got BJ back. We have a young uh, Jalen Hayes, his name is a sophomore who we're going to, uh, in trust as being our point guard coming up this year. And, and so we're going to have two guys that we think could probably start and go as well. Uh, we, we do have some athletes still coming younger ones, certainly uh, inexperienced, uh, but we'll, we'll probably be a little more the traditional. Uh, let's find one of those two guys for sure. Um, when we have a number of other guys uh, who, who would secure rebounds, turnovers, et cetera. Um, we, we do a lot of things as far as with our clock in practice, where times where we'll, we'll put time on, uh, you know, you do the where you put some time on to get shots within a certain amount of time, but we also do a lot of just, you know, some stuff that some transition kind of stuff where we'll keep score and, and see, you know, put a time up of five minutes, let's say, and, and we want to see how many, how many shots we can get in a transition period in that time. Um, sometimes just five on all, and sometimes we'll do it with defense. Sometimes we'll start five on four, bring the guy in to make it five on five eventually um just so they have that opportunity to to get a good look we 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 preach all the time about hey we get a we get a good three off paint penetration for instance um in transition let let's let it go um you know we we want to take that but at the same time we don't want to just come down and, and and shoot for the sake of it and so um i i i want to go uh but at the same time you got to kind of look at your personnel uh, and, and I think this group eventually is going to get there. Maybe we won't be that way to start the year quite as much. Um, but, you know, again, as you alluded to earlier, Brett, it's <laughs> some of those things are going to be difficult because it could be such a short season. You're saying we can't, I, I've always prided ourselves on being so much better at the end of the year uh, than we are at the beginning. And uh, I might be in trouble this year if that's what we're going to bank on. <laughs> I think uh, just to build off of one thing you said I liked is that it's important, I think, to have multiple ball handlers. A, because it just makes you more diverse offensively. But a lot of times, like I think if your kid's a great example of that, is your best ball handler is probably the kid who's been in the gym a lot, who's probably one of your best shooters. And I think sometimes if you have such a set point guard, 
you you're keeping them in a spot where they could be effective in catch and shoot, catch and shoot situations. So being able to have multiple, multiple ball handlers, I know not everyone has that, right? There's probably coaches listening who say, I don't even have one ball handler, but uh, if you do have multiple ball handlers, allowing that you're maybe your primary to be able to space and have, have some situation where they can catch and shoot, which I'm sure your son had a lot of success having another ball handler with with him yeah. the past few years allowed for him to have some success. Correct. All right. So let's move to defense here. Um, you mentioned, uh, when we were just emailing earlier this week, you're mostly man to man. Um, but let's talk about screens. Um, how do you guys defend screens? And we talked about your offensive side on ball screen offense. What are some ways that or some of the different coverages or teaching points that you have on ball screens? So off ball and on ball screens, how are you guys defending those? Right. Uh, I, I do. And you talk about switching early. I'll just start with off the ball, which you don't see nearly as much, but certainly you get some, to some extent, um, we, we do like to switch. We've had personnel that where we've had a lot of, you know, some athletic bigs a couple of years ago, we had some really, you know, some longer, bigger kids. So we, we like to switch when we can, I get a little nervous of the, of getting lazy and switching guys to start pointing and, you know, you got there and there, they kind of stand still. We talked about that you've got to get as deep as the ball. We even, you know, drill it in, in practice where they got to actually kind of almost like give each other the low, the five to so that we're coming together and not just staying in that switch spot, uh, even when we are switching. So those are some things that we do. Um, but but other times, you know, we, we can't. We had a, a Jordan Mercer, a really good big guy at last year, but we also didn't want to get switched where he had to guard a guard a lot. So we, uh, with, with ball screen action, um, you know, we, we, a couple things. Hedge and recover is what we, we preach and go from right away. We want to get that good hard hedge, get the help defense, uh, go over the top, um, to me, that's the hardest thing to do, but it's, if you can get good at it, it's the way to beat ball screen. You get in that guy's hip pocket. Uh, you work on that guy hedging to where he at least is going parallel to the sideline. Obviously you can get him going towards the, going towards half court. You're really doing your job. Well, if the help is good, he retreats eyes on the ball, hands high. And, and he goes off the command of the guard who, you know, it's a verbal go for us. Uh, that when he is in position now that we can go. And obviously you get teams that don't, we have teams that will, in, in possessions, where we don't hedge hard enough. Um, we don't retreat early enough uh, or, you know, or we, we stay too long. The verbal isn't good. Uh, but when we're clicking and we're doing it well defensively and, and he's really doing a nice job of getting over that screen, we take the turn down away with the, with the guard, obviously on the ball. Uh, that's just something you know, that we want to preach that way. And I know some teams love to give that up. You know, I know Wasika was really good at that, where they would force you to go there. They were, they were, they were basically taking that away as far as hey, we're going to help in that backside enough, and 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 you can get good at that too. So there's, as you know, there's multiple ways of of doing it. Um, I do think good guards that if you're doing that a ton, good guards can shoot that little step back going that way or can pull it out. Uh, and, and get opportunities and even then enter into the post that rolls after that too. Um, but at the same time, I, I, we, we like that, but we have had, you know, we've had times where we say, Hey, we're going to have to go and, and just blitz this hard. We're going to have to, you know, do this because, but that's more of personnel um, of how we'd handle it. And, and, but as far as just what we start teaching right away is the, is the hard hedge recover. Um, but again, we, this year we may have a team where we can switch, you know, where I think our, our bigs could, could, uh, can take a, and handle a guard defensively. Um, but I also might look at this year running a little more zone too, because I think we also have some length where we could be a decent zone team um, compared to some other teams we've had. 
You mentioned, uh, obviously you mentioned make potentially going zone this year. You also, we talked about mixing in zone uh, at, at times, some junk defenses here or there. How much time or how much practice capital do you spend working on zone? And then when are you looking? Is this like a, in a scouting report, you're like, hey, I think we can mix in one three one against Mankato West. Or is it like at halftime, hey, crap, I think we can, they can't <laughs> shoot. Let's, let's mix up two, three off free throws against um, Hutchinson or whoever, whatever the opponent might be. So how do yep. you guys decide on when to mix in zone? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> the, a couple things. One, we, we've had some teams where I think we are kind of built to play some zone or maybe even just conversely that we weren't built to be a great man-to-man team. And certainly we'll look at opponents coming up saying, uh, I think this team is, is a team that they're really good in their man stuff. Um, but, but I know that they're a great shooting team. I think this is a team we want to get ready for some zone, even if we start man uh, we'll, we'll, we'll prep those two days, maybe if you get or whatever, playing some different types of zones just with the idea that, um, you know, we, we may have to do this, you know, and, um, and it might be something that I think not, sometimes it's, like I say, sometimes it's your personnel, but I think a lot of times it's just their personnel. And you think, I don't think they like, you know, and Chris Faddis, I know you had on, he's a, he's kind of the benchmark you've had, you mentioned Travis Farrell, Marshall, we were talking about that before. And, he is somebody I would totally respect and it's a section kind of benchmark you'd look at. But, you know, Chris obviously has the philosophy of we're, we're going to play zone because teams don't like their, 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 their zone man or zone offenses nearly as much as they do their man offenses. They're not as good at it. They don't spend as much time on it. Um, and, and he's exactly right with that, you know, and uh, you also, your scout prep of, you know, of what, you know, how, what to do when they run this set or this set, um, you don't have to worry about that because you're just focused on playing that zone. So there, there's a lot of good things to it. Uh, I will say this, if they, if, if we do go to the shot clock, which I hope I could see myself becoming a lot more of a zone coach of doing some different things or even starting man in a possession and going into a zone once it gets to a certain time in the shot clock. Cause I just think um, team teams don't like their zone offenses nearly as well. And if you're able to play some man for a part of a possession and get into a zone look, out of it. I think those are things that I think could be really good with the shot clock opportunity. Um, and, and I uh, totally agree with that. So we, we've changed that, but we've also done some where we just say, Hey, let's, I think of last year when we played, uh, we played JM. This was the first time without hurt, one of the hurt boys, it took forever to get out of there. And they had a kid really hurting us in the first half. And we went right to a diamond and one, we hadn't worked on it. We weren't planning on running that at all uh, to start, you know, against them. And I think it was about a four-point game at halftime. And I think, I think we went on a um, – I think it was a 22-2 to run to start the second half running this, and they just had no answer for it, and, and the game was over. You know, we were up four, and all of a sudden we're up 26 or 20-whatever it was. And, you know, we had athletes. We had guys that understood what to do. Um, you know, when we played uh, JM with, with Matthew Hurt the, the last two years – uh, we prep for a lot of diamond and one, even some triangle and two with two guys on him. Uh, we had a lot of success uh, with those teams. And we, we went, what, three and one against him in the last two years. And um, we, we just went after him. We just realized, you know, how good a player he was. Uh, to me, he was our option one, two, and three. And, um, you know, we just said, we're going to take him away. And, and so we ran some triangle and two with two guys guarding him, basically, and, and just said, Go ahead. Other guys are going to beat us. They're going to beat us, but it's not going to be, um, you know, Matthew Hurt. And, and we had success doing that. You've kind of mentioned this throughout here, our conversation today. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people 
and maybe I'm wrong, maybe because I'm on the other side of the Metro from you, I don't think people realize how good your league is and how, how deep your conference is night in and night out, but also like the travel that goes, that is in your league, um, you know, with the Rochester schools and the Mankato schools and everyone in the down, down in the big nine, uh, really good basketball, but also a lot of travel. So how does that, um, are you able to get out and scout? Do you rely a lot on film? And then how do you, you know, you talk about a Matthew here. Well, that's obviously right. Everyone knows about him on a, on a JM team. Who's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, everyone knows they got a plan for him, but then you talk about Austin and their, you know, matchup zone and you have to, or their, their zone and their press and you have to prepare for that. But on a, on a night to night basis, how much do you put into other team or your opponent's preparation versus just getting your, your, your guys ready to run your stuff? Well, yeah, no, it's a great question. And you know, you, you're, you're right. I mean, that, Moorhead and there's some other teams up north that if they think we're you know if we're gonna hear us complain about travel they're gonna start laughing at us because uh, they have a lot more travel than we do but you're right compared to the metro schools uh, Winona is the perfect example of you know you just uh, I don't I've never scouted in Winona certainly I'll get them when they're on the road in in Rochester's or um, Austin or you know wherever we pretty decent trips for that that's the one I have not made as a straight scout out I just um, that, that's just too far. That's, you know, when you're talking two and a half plus, that's just, uh, I'm not going to scout that. My, my wife thinks I'm crazy as it is. She'd, she'd probably have me committed if that were the case, but uh, we, we've gone with huddle now, you know, where we exchange with a con- as a conference, we exchange all our tape. And so that, that has changed things drastically. I still like to get out and I did last year and I I think I still, I don't, maybe they won't let us scout this year with the number of people in the gym. I'm sure that's going to be a, a question, but we have that, um, opportunity to see everybody within our conference now uh, with our huddle exchange, which which is really nice. But and as far as the prep we put in, you know, you're right. I mean, Austin's just a completely different deal. And that's the other thing, you know, Chris is kind of banking on. He says that you kind of can, you know, you can be, be prepared for, for certain things from each team. And all of a sudden, they're, they're the team that is just way different, you know. Um, when you talked about obviously JM with the Matthew Hurt getting ready, uh, even even Mayo last last three years with the Madsen Twins, you had two kids of you know, Division One caliber talent that you had to prep a little differently for than you do some other teams, um, and, and some things that we would try to do against them. We had a lot of success uh, against Mayo too. We didn't lose them the last three years with those guys, and again, basically because we had the personnel to kind of match up a little bit better than a lot of teams could against them. That that really helped us. Um, but, but the bottom line is you, you do, I mean, there, there are certain teams and you, you go in saying, okay, this is a team that we're certainly better than, so we don't have to do quite as much prepping that way. And, and the kids, you don't say it that way. You just go into the idea that, Hey, we're going to go through X, uh, three different things that they'll do. I like just to do a lot of like, if, if it's a team that's running a, a lot of back pick, um, you know, the UCLA cut kind of going through, if they're running, you know, we just do a lot of things defensively in drills and our breakdown that we know will gear up for the kind of things that they're going to do. Even if we don't, we might know they have four sets. We, we may not go through all the different sets they're going to do, but their continuity stuff, things that we know they're pretty good at by watching on, on film or in person, we've done it. We just do a lot of things defensively to get ready for those, those actions that we can practice. And we just tell the kids, Hey, they're, you know, they're, they're really good. They're, they're off the ball screening. They're good. They, they're going to come tight off of this, that this is what they're going to do on the ball screen action. So we're going to have to, instead of hedge recover uh, over the top, we're going to go underneath and push up. You know, we'll even make that change because we're not afraid as much of the, of the guy pulling it back and shooting. 
So now we'll push up on the screener and, and, and go underneath and we'll do those things from time to time as well. And, and so it's, it, it you know, it depends on, and, and obviously it's going to be a little different, you know, had it started when we were supposed to this year is interesting because we were going to have, I think our last six weeks, we had one game um, a week, you know, we knew that would probably change with, with the COVID issues and rescheduling, but um, you, you could have prepped more like a football team for those. That would be interesting because rarely do you get that. You get maybe twice a year, three times at best where you're prepping for one team in a week. Uh, otherwise you're always prepping for two and that's, that's tough, you know, and, um, and especially if you're on the road on a Tuesday, um, Wednesday's always a shorter day for us and lift, but that's where we'd try to do so. But you, you haven't had time to go through all kinds of tape and different things. So that, that's where we'll, if we know we have somebody coming up that likes certain actions of what they're going to do, we'll do those things defensively Wednesday in practice, just to make sure that we're already geared for that. Then we can maybe talk about a set or two that they might run, but I, I don't like to get too much. We, we certainly do more of that when it comes to section play. We want to think if Marshall's going to run anything or Hutch or West, any of the teams we play in, in section play, if they're going to run something, we don't know it. there's something wrong. Uh, so we'll, we'll know a lot more of that. Whereas uh, some of the conference teams, maybe we won't have as much dialed in as far as every set that they run uh, with the idea that hey, we, we, we can't quite prep for that. We got to get ourselves ready. Um, it was a quick turnaround, you name it, uh, as far as that goes. What do you think will separate teams this year? Uh, like we talked about, you mentioned uh, your original schedule was going to be short on the back end. Uh, what do you think is going to separate teams with, uh, you know, as of right now, I don't know what people are doing and what resources schools have available uh, individually with kids, maybe having, maybe more than Metro having in-home gyms or that sort of stuff. But without kids having a real, like, normal fall league open gym run before the season, what do you think are going to be some of the tricks that are going to separate uh, the good teams uh, that are going to really separate from them, them from the rest of the pack this year? No, that's a great question. And you're right. Some guys, you know, whether it's getting into the, some church somewhere that, you know, not that you get as a team, but I know some kids that can, can have that. Or if there's uh, uh, like you say, a, a couple of private gym kind of setups, home gyms, those kinds of things, certainly teams. Uh, I, I would think in our, in our league, which it's going to be just pretty much what, what it's going to be this year is your conference. Um, that probably don't have a lot of guys that have that opportunity, but, but I'm sure there are some more than I might know and think. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I think it's the guys that probably stay in the best shape, you know, not that, you know, maybe I think of that cause I'm old, not a shape right now. So it's so hard to get into shape. These kids are young and pretty resilient, but they're going to have to do some things, whether it's just running, um, you know, doing some in-house workouts, um, shooting in an outdoor hoop, even if it's cold, you know, those are the kind of things that, you're, you know, we talked to our guys a little bit about just trying to do some of those things. Um, there is one outdoor court that a, a gentleman in our community has that it's kind of an outdoor all-purpose court that some guys I know have used that and gone over there uh, to do it. And they've even done that here since since our uh, pause has been put on. But yeah, nothing, nothing that they can, um, you know, you're talking just a handful of guys who kind of meet up is what I'm, I'm guessing. But it, it's, you know, we, we just don't have um, – we don't have any opportunities that way. And I don't know. That's a, it's a great question. I, I would think everybody's a little bit in the same boat that, that's in our conference at least. Um, and, and it's going to be, uh, it'll be sort of interesting too, to see how much time we're going to get to prepare before that first game, depending on when it comes back. Uh, I don't foresee the big nine starting games until probably mid January would be my guess. We maybe will start to be able to practice, uh, but I know a number of schools that are already um, basically not going to be back to, 
regular learning until January 4th, or in that, and when I say regular, you're talking hybrid kind of deal, regular. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever be back to the full in grouping this, this uh, school year, um, but, I, but I foresee that it would be mid-January before we're playing games. And yeah, you're right, we might get that extra four weeks at the end through March, um, which would be nice. And, but again, you're gonna have to, uh, and, and think of this, Brett, and you, I don't know how much you do this, but we're gonna have, we're gonna have to have kind of a, we always have our first day, day and a half, about two days of kind of tryouts, which we haven't been able to do. We've done it with our C squad already. We got that in before the pause. Um, but as far as the tryouts go, I mean, you're, you're always talking at least one for sure practice, maybe even a second where you're kind of, you know, working as tryouts go. And so um, you, you eliminate for sure one, maybe two, and then all of a sudden it comes awfully quick uh, that you're going to have to be prepped and ready to go. And uh, I, I don't know, the conditioning is going to be important, you know, and you don't want to just sit and spend all your time running either, but you're going to have to do some things to get these guys uh, so they're, they're ready to get up and down the floor a little bit. Um, and, and I, like I said, I, I foresee most teams will be in the same boat. I'd be really worried if we were the ones having to take a pause, everybody else is able to practice. Yeah, it'd be a, that'd be a big concern, but I, I have a feeling that we're all kind of in the same boat. So you just sort of approach it that way. I think that the, you know, I don't know if this is good for the equity across the state, but I think that the good teams are going to probably really separate. I think that uh, like you said, there's a reason kids are, like we talked about, there's a reason kids are talented. They've put time in and they've worked on their game and they're going to find ways to continue to improve their game. And then you get some of the other programs that, and there's nothing wrong with this, that have three sport athletes that are good kids who are involved in a lot of stuff, but they aren't able to put as much time into one sport. I feel like that could potentially lead to some more separation and maybe, maybe come March, you're not going to see as many upsets, but you know, who knows? I think um, coaches got to be creative and get innovative and find ways to um, you know, keep their kids, you know, focus if it's maybe through a weekly film session or whatever the case, maybe you guys have your mental training stuff. Uh, and then when we hit the ground running, make the most out of it. And, uh, you know, I think another thing is keeping kids safe. Cause I feel like if you get a couple of kids that have to get shut down for a couple of weeks from a close exposure, cause they're out at a friend's house or they're on our, you know, they go out to eat with a group of friends and that's, what's going to really hurt. Um, things going to really hurt programs when those kids are, you know, maybe taking part in normal high school um, law abiding activities, but potentially given the, the pandemic are in spots where they're going to potentially get themselves shut down for two weeks. So I think that could be the, the, the secret sauce as well for coaches to have uh, teams have success this year, but who knows? I'm hoping we can have a season and uh, we'll be able to um, competing here and in, in in making each of us trying to make runs in our respective sections here come the end of the season. No, I totally agree with you that, that that's going to be a, you know, that will be a factor. And I, I hope kids realize too, I mean, there, there are some kids that could probably be careless and you don't want that. And then that's how some people get it. But I, I know there's some people that have also contracted COVID have been very careful. They've done, they've kind of followed the protocol. They've been safe and they still get it. And so, you know, I, I don't want, you know, those kids that think, Hey, I, you know, as soon as you get COVID that, that was because you were careless. That was because you were reckless yeah. in how you handled yourself. Um, that, that is, it could be, I mean, there's yeah. no doubt that's how a lot of them do happen, but, but I know there are some where, where a kid can, you know, adult or kid can get it. Yep. They've been very careful about it. And so, uh, but you're right. That's going to be just, I mean, look at the college basketball and college football. Oh, yeah. and how incredible, you know, watching these teams is just the, the day to day of what's going to happen. And, um, I don't look forward to that, Brett, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you're, that, that's the one thing, you know, that, that, that's going to be a, a tough one of, um, uh, how you handle that. And I, I hope we're, our numbers start to go in the right way and, and that, 
that, that it isn't so so bad. We have to keep being safe, like you said, uh, to to not have that uh, issue. But it's it's going to be there even when we come back, is my guess. You're right. I mean, they, they, and what we told our guys too is that you got to be honest with your symptoms. If you don't feel well, don't come to practice. I mean, that's it. Because like you said, you can you can go to the you can go to Hy-Vee or you can go to Coburn's, you can go to Cub Foods or Rainbow, whatever your grocery stores of choice. And just from going through the normal shopping routines and checking out, you can pick it up just as much as you can um, from a social gathering. But you're right. I mean, I think it's just having kids be honest and you know realizing that it's going to happen. That kids are going to get sick, and you know hopefully we're at a spot and. Maybe there's a vaccine here down in the short term and that can hopefully help um, keep more people safe and, you know, get teams back on the court and kids back in the classrooms. But Joe, um, I appreciate your time. Uh, we're after nine o'clock here on Sunday. Uh, so I want to, I want to be respectful of your weekend and your time. So I, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, any, any final thoughts or anything you, you think the coaching world needs to hear? Well, I just think it's neat that you're doing this, Brett. I've listened to uh, several of them. And uh, it's, it's just good. It's good to hear what some other guys are saying. Not that I, I certainly am not going to bring out anything that's brand new to people, but it's just, um, it, it's a great group of guys. You know, the coaching fraternity, I, I miss so much just the clinic this year. You know, it, it was great how they did the virtual one. There was a lot, I mean, maybe the best as far as some of the X and O drill stuff, this one might've been the best, but you still miss that camaraderie talking to other coaches. Um, you, you know that as well, how fun that is. And it's just, it's it's good to get together. I haven't missed one of those in a number of years uh, to have that. But at the same time, they they did an outstanding job. Um, Critch Senior and his and uh, all all the guys, uh, Ronnie Larson, all those guys that kind of helped put that together, uh, did such a super job of of giving us some information. A nice uh, piece to go through. You know, for a full year, we've got access to that from from the clinic and. Um, that, that was outstanding. Uh, like I said, maybe the best as far as that goes mm-hmm. uh, like I've ever been to because you have that for a full year that you can look at. But, um, but I, I, missed, I missed the camaraderie part, you know, talking to other coaches, um, you know, and just seeing people. And, you know, even if it's a short visit, those are, those are fun things to do. And um, no, it, it's a weird time. You know, I would have never guessed when we were shut down in the end of or middle of March, uh, I would have never guessed that we'd be dealing with this again at this at this stage. I would have thought this would have all run its course. We'd be back to normal by now, um, and it's it's unfortunate, um, you know. But at the same time, you just as I try to tell kids, if this is the worst thing that's going to happen to you in your life, you're you're in pretty good shape um, because it, there's a lot lot worse things that can happen. And I hope this is the worst thing that a lot of our kids go through. That'd be be pretty nice. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you. Uh, good luck this season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brett.